A man called the church one day and asked if he could speak to the head hog at the trough. The secretary said, who? The man replied, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. Sure, now that she had heard correctly, the secretary said, Sir, if you mean our pastor, you'll have to treat him with more respect. Ask for uh, the reverend or the pastor. But certainly you cannot refer to him as the head hog at the trough. At this, the man came back, Oh, I see. Well, I have $10,000 that I was thinking about giving to the building fund. Secretary said, Hold the line. I think the big pig just walked right in. <laughs> this morning... I want to talk about stewardship as we begin 2009. Now, this wasn't part of my original plan, but plans change and things happen. And, and uh, we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about stewardship. And the attendance slowly declined. <laughs> Some think that the only thing the church cares about is money. Why is the church always talking? Why is the church always asking for money? Why do we always talk about money? Is, is that all that the church wants? Well, uh, yeah, that, no, that is not true. That is not what we talk about uh, all the time. The, uh, last week I talked about, and during my community meditation, about how 2009 is the year of discipleship. And that that is going to be our theme for the year 2009 here at First Christian Church. We're going to talk about discipleship. And part of growing in faith and being a disciple of Jesus Christ is becoming a godly receiver. Now what does that mean? to be a godly receiver. Last January, Shannon and I went down to Florida uh, to visit her parents who went down for, for the month of January, and we stayed with them for a week. And uh, we worshiped with the church on a Sunday morning while we were there. Uh, the minister was in the midst of a sermon series called Becoming a Godly Giver. And as I sat there listening to the sermon, I thought to myself, what if, what if giving really isn't all about giving? Huh? Well, what if giving isn't a matter of giving? What, is give, what if giving is a matter of receiving? I'll explain what I mean by that a little bit this morning. Uh, it is about receiving something and being responsible for it. Now, are we going to talk about giving over the next three weeks? Yes, we are. But only as a response to what we have already received. Just so you know, uh, of all the things to preach about, this is my least favorite. I don't like preaching about giving. I've only done it a couple times since I've been here. Uh, and uh, if I had my way, I'd never talk about it again. Because it makes people uncomfortable. It hits people right where they don't want to be hit. Right in the, uh, where is it? <laughs> right here. Right in that pocketbook. Right in that checkbook. That's where people don't want to be, you know. Uh, an old country preacher was asked by a member of his congregation one day who asked, he said, preacher, if salvation is free, how come you're always asking for money? The preacher responded by saying, salvation is free, as free as the water that you drink. But if you want that water in your kitchen, you have to pay somebody for the pump. That's true. The work of the church costs money. Missionaries need money to go out and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. NIPSCO bills us every month, just like they bill you, they bill us every month. And the ga to, uh, for the electricity that we need and the gas that we use to, to heat the building here in the wintertime. The town of Griffith bills us for the water that we use to wash the communion trays. Salaries have to be paid. Materials need to be bought. Insurance isn't an option. All of these things cost money. And the tithes and offerings that we give uh, to the Lord are used to keep the work of the church going on a day-to-day -day basis. You may not think about that. You may think, well, I just put my check in. It goes to important things. 
uh, it goes towards things like keeping the lights on in here and uh, keeping the building warm. Now this morning, I want to talk about more than just giving. I want to talk about the theology behind giving. I want to talk about what it means to be a steward and to practice good stewardship. So we're going to look this morning at a passage from the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Now 1 Chronicles is right there, uh, right a little bit uh, before the Psalms, um, there in the Old Testament. And uh, if you'll turn to 1 Chronicles 29, I'm going to have the, the, screen, the words up on the screen as well, so uh, you can do that too. In chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles, David announced that he was going to build a temple for God in Jerusalem. He called all of the officials of Israel together and told them his plan. Now David wasn't actually going to build the temple, but his son Solomon was going to build it. In chapter 29, David said that he was going to give all of his gold and all of his silver for the building of the temple. Then he asked all of the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes, the commanders and the officials to give, and that is what they did. 1 Chronicles 29.9 says that they gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Now I want to pick up the story in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. David realized something about God, and David realized something about stewardship. He said it in verse 11, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Stewardship means, there are three things that stewardship means, and the first thing that stewardship means is that we realize that God owns everything. We are called to be good stewards, but what exactly is a steward? We hear this word stewardship. We hear about being good stewards of the things that we have. What is a steward? A steward is not uh, the, ca the captain or the commander of the Starship Enterprise. That's Patrick Stewart. A steward is something completely different. A steward is someone who is given complete control over someone else's belongings. In Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God put man in charge of his earth. He made man to be a steward of the earth. Man does not own the earth, for we are in, but we are in charge of caring for it. What David is saying in 1 Chronicles is that God owns everything. He has given us the responsibility for caring of all of his stuff. But God still owns it. God owns the universe. God owns the oceans. God owns the mountains. God owns the fields and the flocks. From sea to shining sea, God owns it all. But let's get a little more personal. If God owns everything, if God owns everything, as it says there in the Bible, then that means something significant for our lives. On an individual basis. God owns your house. God owns your cars. God owns my TV. Uh-oh. God owns my bank account. He owns our time. He owns our job. God owns everything. 
Say it with me. God owns everything. There is nothing in this universe that God does not own. So the first thing about stewardship that we need to know is that God owns everything. Nothing. Uh, God owns everything. Now, if God owns everything, that also has some very implications, some very interesting implications for you and me. Let's read further in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 14 and 15. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow, without hope. If God owns everything, then that means that we own nothing. David says, who am I? In light of the declaration that God owns everything, David is very humbled. He realizes that he is nothing and that he owns nothing. One day, James, a father, wanted to do something special with his five-year-old son, Jimmy. He asked, son, is there anything that you'd like to do right now? Jimmy said, I want some McDonald's French fries. Yeah, now I'm going to make you all hungry. His father said, if that's what my boy wants, then that's what my boy gets. They got into the blue and white Chevy truck and headed down towards McDonald's. Jimmy's lips and tongue silently moving as he could taste the french fries before they were even in his hands, before they even reached the restaurant. How many of you want McDonald's french fries right now? (laughs) Yeah. His dad made the order. Jimmy's heart was just pounding when his dad said to make it a supersize fry. James took the money out of his wallet to pay for the fries and to pay for a drink. Jimmy's little teeth were ready to sink into those hot golden fries before they even made it to the table. When they sat down, grace consisted of, God bless this food, amen. But it seemed like too many words for little Jimmy, who was eager to delight himself with this huge blessing of French fries. James was so happy to see his little boy so happy over something so simple. He decided to join in the fun. He reached over to grab a couple of Jimmy's fries for himself. To his surprise, his son quickly put his arms around his fries as though he was building a fort and pulled them toward himself and said, No, these are mine. His dad was in a state of shock for a moment. He could not believe what had happened. James pulled back his hand and began to reflect about his son's attitude towards the fries. Let's walk together through the things that went through his mind. He was thinking, My son failed to realize that I am the source of those French fries. At the counter, I was the one who gave the cashier the money from my wallet. I did not give him the size fry he was expecting, but something twice as big. And yet here he is talking about his fries. Not only was I the source of the French fries, he has forgotten that at six foot one and 195 pounds, I have the power to take all the fries, despite his little arms surrounding them as a fort. Or that if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and bring him so many fries that he could never eat them all. He also does not understand that I don't need the French fries. I could go back to the counter and get as many fries as I wanted. As the dad thought about it, one or two fries really would not have made that much of a difference for him that day. What he wanted was for his son Jimmy to invite him into the wonderful little world that he had made possible for his son. He wanted his son to be willing to share the very blessing that he had provided. Folks, we have been given super-sized lives. Not super-sized fries, but super-sized lives. We have so much, and yet we take so much for granted. (laughs) 
I, I think about the blessings that I have been given in this life, and yet what do I do? I gripe. I complain. Why don't I have more? Why does so-and-so have this, and yet I don't? Why does somebody else have that, and I don't? Why don't I get this? Why don't I get... After all, I'm God's little cheerleader here on earth. <clears throat> I'm up here every week preaching the gospel. I'm serving God. I'm doing what I'm called to do, right? So why isn't God just blessing my socks off? Maybe the problem is, is that I haven't realized just how much he has blessed my socks off. I think that our attitudes, our attitudes towards giving would change if we would truly understand what stewardship means. First of all, it means that God owns everything. Secondly, it means that we own nothing. So much of our value is tied up in the things we possess. Look at my big house. Look at my new car. Look at my nice clothes. I'm a success. I've made it. Look at what I've done. None of it belongs to us. God has given us those things, and he is the rightful owner. Job understood this in Job chapter 1. His donkeys and his oxen were carried away, and all but one of his servants were killed. Fire came down from the sky and destroyed his sheep and all of his servants but one. His camels were carried off, and all of his servants but one were killed. His children were all in a house that collapsed and killed them all but one of his servants. I, I don't know who that servant was. <laughs> Yeah, his livestock and his children were all gone in one fell swoop. And what did Job say in response? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job understood that he owned nothing. His livestock and even his children all belonged to God. We own nothing. God owns everything. So what does this mean? Read with me 1 Chronicles 29:16 through 20. O Lord our God, as far all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you, and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided." Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate, prostrate before the Lord and the king. David knew that God owned everything and that he owned nothing. Stewardship also means that God expects something in return. He put David in charge of the entire kingdom of his people. He put David in charge of it all. And God expected something in return. That is why David led the stewardship campaign to build the temple that Solomon would build. I think of a story <laughs> that Jesus told in the New Testament. It's called the parable of the talents. A wealthy man put three of his servants in charge of some of his wealth while he went on a long trip. To the first he gave five talents. To another he gave two talents. And to a third he gave one talent. Now a talent of 
uh, in those days, a talent was a sum of money that was probably worth more than $1,000 in today's figures. These servants became stewards of the rich man's wealth. The first steward invested his five talents and received a return of five more talents. The second steward invested his talents and received a return of two more talents. The third steward went and buried his talent in the ground, afraid of the risk of investing his single talent. The wealthy man returns and calls his servants in to give an account of what they had done with the money he had given them. He is very pleased with the first two, for they invested their talents and received a great return. He says the same thing to both of them. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The third servant comes back and gives his loan talent back to his master. And his master is irate. He says, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Part of being a good steward means that God expects something in return. David put plans in motion to build the temple for God. Jesus talks about this idea of a a talent and, and investing it. In the Old Testament, God commanded a tithe of the first fruits of the Israelites' labor. In the New Testament, Jesus commanded people to give everything they had to God. He told the rich young ruler to sell everything he had, give to the poor, and to follow him. God said to the Israelites in Malachi 3.8, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God promises if we will return to him what is rightly his, then he will bless us in return. Now that's not a prosperity gospel. That's not a health and wealth teaching. It's right there in scripture. If you will give give a tithe, which means a tenth of your income, then God will bless you in return. He will bless you so much that you won't have enough room to even store it all. Part of being a steward of everything that God owns means that we are to return something to him. Remember. It all goes back to what, to what First Chronicles says. God owns everything. We own nothing, and he expects something in return. So what kind of a steward are you? Are you the good and faithful kind? Or are you the wicked, lazy kind? That's something for all, all of us to reflect on. And as Bob was saying in his community meditation this morning, it's not just about money. It's not just about the things that we have. It's not just about uh, the, what we write the check for on a Sunday morning or how much cash we put in the plate. It's about our time. It's about our resources. When we lived in Minnesota, Shannon and I bought a minivan. Now, there was only the two of us at the time. But why did we buy a minivan? Because we knew that we could use it to help out the church. We knew that we could use the minivan to drive kids to the Mall of America to go on scavenger hunts. I miss the Mall of America. (laughs) South Lake Mall just isn't the same. You know that if you spent 10 minutes in every store in the Mall of America, that it would take like 27 hours to get through the whole thing. I pretty much spent about 10 minutes in every store too. Not all at once, but I would have liked to. Anyway, 
What kind of a steward are you? What kind of a steward am I? How am I dealing? How am I, what am I doing with the things that God has given me? What am I doing with the money that I have? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my resources? What are you doing with yours? God expects something in return. A pastor named David Dykes wrote the following. Fifteen years ago, I was serving as a pastor in Alabama. And in our church was a, uh, in our church was in a capital stewardship campaign a capital stewardship campaign, easy for me to say, to raise money to build a new building. There was one particular lady in our church who was a widow. Her husband left her a lot of money, and she had a lot more than she really needed. She loved the Lord, and she loved her church, but she tended to be rather conservative. We had a banquet one night, and she wrote down an amount on her card that was a very safe amount. It was not a risk at all. That evening, I spoke on where Jesus said, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal, but lay up your treasures in heaven. I spoke about how a moth eats up wool when we store it, not when we wear it. I went into great detail about moths. I also spoke on how rust destroys tools when they are not used. My point was that when we store up God's resources, they don't accomplish anything. We have to use them or they become like moth-eaten garments or rust-encrusted tools. Nell went home from that banquet feeling a little guilty about the amount she committed because of the large amount she was storing up. She walked up to her front door and opened her purse to get out the key and she was shocked by what happened next. Somehow, a huge moth had gotten into her purse, and when she opened it, the moth fluttered and flew out. She said God used that moth to teach her that she didn't need to be storing up her money. She needed to be using it for God. She returned to the fellowship hall. She lived just across the street and asked for her card back. She doubled her amount and then marked it out and tripled the amount. He said, folks, I had a hard time getting that moth into her purse. No, seriously, he said, I don't know how it got there, but Nell believes that God put it there. Now, I'm not up here begging for money this morning. That's not my purpose. I'm not going to tell you how much to give. I'm not going to tell you what you need to give. I'm not going to tell you the amount that you need to write out your check for next Sunday. The church is doing, we're doing okay financially. We struggle a little, but we're doing okay. We have no debt, but we struggle a little bit each month to meet our, our monthly obligations. We're supporting our, minis- our missionaries, which is good, but we had to cut our ministry budgets this year. We're able to help out people who need help when those needs arrive. God has provided for our congregation in in an awesome way. Through Through your generosity, God has provided. So I'm not begging you here this morning for more money. I just want you to check your heart. Giving a tithe is not a matter of the wallet. It's a matter of the heart. And as far as giving a tithe is concerned, you know, how much should I tithe? Should I tithe off the gross or should I tithe off the net? I've heard it said, it depends on what kind of blessings you want. Do you want God to bless off the net or God to bless off the gross? It's up for you to decide. Jesus said that everything we do comes from our hearts. The things that we say and the things that we do come from our hearts. The money that we give, which we really do not own, is a reflection of our our love for God. There's a bumper sticker that says, tithe if you love Jesus, any idiot can honk. (laughs) It's a matter of realizing just how much God has done for us. That's why this is called becoming a godly receiver. What have you received? Don't think about what you should give. 
Think about what you have received. That home you live in. That job you go to. Those clothes that you're wearing. What have you received? It changes the perspective. God owns everything. We own nothing. And he expects something in return. That is true stewardship. And like I said, it's more than just money. It's your time. It's your resources. Stewardship is about giving everything back to God who owns it all anyway. And it starts with your heart. It's the heart that Jesus Christ gave his life for. That's exactly what he did. He gave his life for our hearts. Bob said it this morning in his communion meditation. God gave 100%. He gave it all. He gave us everything that we needed in order to have salvation. And what we needed was a Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ. He sent Him to be the propitiation, to be the, uh, the atoning sacrifice, to be the atonement for our sins. And He took our sins away. And as the song that we sang said, our sin was nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. So this morning, moving from the <laughs> moving from the topic of giving to the top from the topic of giving your money to the topic of giving your life, are you ready to give your life to Christ? Jesus died for your sins. If you believe that, and you're ready to turn away from sin and turn to God and confess your sins, confess your faith in Jesus Christ, and to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we invite you to do that today. We're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. Or if you're ready to join our family, you want to become a part of our family, you want to join our church, you like what you see going on here, you want to become part of us, we invite you to come forward and, and repeat a confession of faith and join our family. Or if you just need to pray with someone, we invite you to come forward and pray with one of our elders or, or pray with me. And, or if you need to talk to somebody, you can come forward and we'll talk to you today. But let's stand, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Our Heavenly Father, Help us change. Help us to realize that everything we have comes from you. That we own nothing, but it's all yours. May we give back to you all that you have asked. May we give you our time. May we give you our resources. May we give you our money. Because it doesn't belong to us. It all belongs to you. And we pray that you will take it. And that you will use it. And that, God, you will bless us in return, that we may give more. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for giving all, for giving us every ounce of blood that we needed in order to be saved. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.